0: Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Matthew chapter 6. Amen. Matthew chapter 6. I want you to know that we've been speaking on foundations. Everyone say foundations. Foundations are not only important, but they're vital. Without a proper foundation, things begin to fall apart. And it doesn't matter how nice of a structure you build, if you have a bad foundation, things will begin to fall apart. And so foundations are vital. We've all seen it. We've seen that that couple that looked so happy all the time, that they had their lives together, all of a sudden filed for divorce. We see that individual that was so financially well off, drove the Mercedes, lived in the big house, all of a sudden filed for bankruptcy. We see that individual that their family looked like everything was together. They were raising the perfect kids. Their kids always taking pictures of what their kids are doing on Facebook and social media. Then all of a sudden we find out that that child committed suicide. We've seen these kind of tragedies. Why? Because there's problems in our foundation. And if we don't take care of the foundational issues in life, no matter how much investment you put into all the other things, that thing is going to eventually come crashing down when stress is placed on that foundation. And so Jesus talks about, he says, he, he, he makes a comparison between the person that built the house upon the sand and the rock, the difference between them: one being wise, one being foolish based on, The one that builds upon the principles of God being wise. And part of those principles is what we find here in Matthew chapter 6. We know this is the Lord's Prayer. Everyone say Lord's Lord's Prayer. I personally believe that the Lord's Prayer isn't just a pattern for prayer, but it's a pattern for living as well. That if we live our lives based on the principles of this prayer, you will find success in every avenue, in every venue of life. Marriage, finances, business. That if we build on these principles, it's important to lay these foundations. Read with me in verse 9. It says this. In this manner, therefore pray. In other words, God expects us to pray, right? Prayers, communication between you and God. This is how we pray. Foundation number one, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first thing that we're recognizing is that we have a relationship. You are not an orphan, that you belong, that God is your Father. Secondly, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11, we went over this last week. Give us this day our daily bread. Verse 12 is what we're going to go over today. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Read that part with me again. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As you're seated, I want you to recognize foundation is the the, the very bottom of a building, usually the the very structure point of a building or principles by which something is built on. And so, like I mentioned before, foundations aren't just important, but they're vital. These things are things. They're not always visible, but they're vital. And so look at these foundational principles here. Foundation number one, you belong, our Father which is out in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you haven't listened to these before, go back, listen to these messages that we have online to lay that foundation for you. So because, notice this, when God is introduced to us in the New Testament, he's introduced as a father. He's not introduced as Elohim. He's not introduced as Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi. He's introduced to us as father, which tells me that God was more concerned about establishing a family than he was. Concerned about establishing an organization. It's not about establishing a church or a business or an organization God wanted a family that's why he starts off by introducing himself as father so you belong secondly he says your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven the second foundation is that you have to recognize this is that obedience is vital because I have a relationship with God that's the first foundation that we have to be obedient that obedient to the word of God and when you know the goodness of God you know that the principles in the word of God are for your own good. See, if you get the foundational principle that God is your father, if you miss that, you're not gonna wanna obey because you don't trust God. Well, why does God want me to do this? Why, why does God tell me to, 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 to love my enemy? Why does God tell me to, to, to be nice to uh, people that don't like me? When you don't reckon, when you have a problem with the foundational issue of father, you're gonna have a hard time obeying the word. And so it's foundational. And so when you recognize that you have a good father, the father that loves you, not like our earthly fathers. We have great earthly fathers, but there's times that our fathers, even in their goodness, mess up. But God is a good father, and everything that God has for our lives, it's for our betterment, not for, our, our, not, not for judgment or to tear us down. And so secondly, we have to recognize we got to obey. Number three, we went over this last week. We talked about God's provision, and in God's provision, we found out that we were valuable. That God values you, that God cares for you enough to take care of you. But in order for to take care of you, we also have to put the kingdom of heaven first. So in order for me to obey, I have to first of all trust that he's my father. And that as he's my father, that everything he tells me is for my betterment. So as I obey, then I could trust him to take care of me. Provision. You follow where I'm going here. That brings us to the fourth area, and this is a pretty hard area. This area here talks about forgive us. Now, we all love the forgive me part. It's the forgiving others part that is a struggle. How many times a day do you, don't raise your hands, but do you have to ask for forgiveness? Where you recognize that you've blown it, maybe not to your husband, wife, or kids, but maybe to God, where you've had to pray for something that you've done wrong, and God, forgive me, I know that's not who I am, but I want you to know today that you're forgiven, everyone say forgiven, for physical needs being met are important. But the need for forgiveness is important as well. We have to recognize the value of forgiveness. God wants to provide for your financial needs, but God more importantly wants to provide for your spiritual needs through forgiveness. Everyone say forgiveness. Why? Because forgiveness is foundational. Forgiveness is important. And when we recognize what forgiveness is, take a look at this. The the Greek word forgiveness literally talks about um, forgive Us talks about this. Forgiveness literally talks about letting go. We've seen a Disney movie that's out. that has a song that talks about. Let it go. Let it go. Sing it. it go. <laughs> and so to let it go, to leave, to disregard, to leave behind, dismiss, cancel. Th- this is what I love. It's a legal term that means to Pardon. In other words, you have right against that individual. You have a right, a legal case against someone, and what you're saying is that case is forgiven. I'm wiping out the debt. It literally talks about debt as well. And so in a legal case... Forgiveness wipes the slate clean. Forgiveness wipes, forgiveness of sin is what God is talking about. Listen, I want you to know that everything Jesus did on the cross was so that to provide forgiveness for our sin. Because sin is what separated Adam from God and got him kicked out of the garden. And so when Jesus came and died on the cross, it was to get rid of the sin so that relationship could be back re- reestablished once again. God didn't just die to wipe out your sin. He died so that your relationship with your father could be restored. That's the most important thing. God wanted his spirit to dwell back with you once again for the presence of God to be in you, not just around you. And so I want you to recognize that this, it restores relationship. And he says this, forgive us our, our what? Now, how many of you have debts here? What's a debt? Something you owe, right? You you can't ignore it. If you ignore it, not only does your credit go down, but you end up getting things repossessed. Right? Because a debt is something you owe. There's no doubt about it. You owe this. And the Bible says, forgive us our debts. Notice he doesn't say, forgive us our sins. He says, forgive us our debts. And the debts that, that he's talking about here, that word our debts, the Greek word, it means debt. It means something owed, one's due, or even can refer to sin. It, it's something that is legally owed. That there's no, there, there's no fight against this. I owe this. this is, uh, you, 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 I'm busted. You, I owe this to you. I agree that this is something that I owe. It can also refer to trespassing. It's going beyond a line that you're not supposed to step. You're, you're going into someone else's territory. Come on, somebody. And so this word trespasses also means the crossing a line of, of something. Now, I want you to all to, to understand something. I don't care how good you are. We all owe something. We all owe something. Now, now let me explain it to you. Romans chapter 3, verse, verse of 23. And most of you are sitting here. Well, I'm a good person. I haven't stolen from anyone. I haven't hit anyone. I don't gossip about other individuals. It doesn't matter how good you are. Romans three twenty three says this for all. for what? All. How much is all? all? That that includes you. Okay. No, I'm a good person. No, you are. You're a great person. I love you. That's why you're here. You're, you're amazing. You know, pat yourself on the back. But you're part of all. No matter how nice of a person you are, you are all. For all have and fall short of the glory of... Now, I love this part here. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the what? And I love this. It doesn't say the standard of God. It says the glory of God. That tells me that you and I were designed for glory. In fact, the Apostle Paul later on talks about there's a certain glory to everything. The moon has a glory. The sun has a glory. The stars have glory. The earthly bodies have glory. In other words, there's something about even a flower that you look at and that's beautiful. It was created for a certain glory. Do you understand that God created you for glory? He created you to shine. He created you to rock he created you for his glory. That's why when what happens is he says this, I will not share my glory with anyone else. When you fall short of the glory of God and you say you're a believer, you say that you love God and yet your family's falling apart, your finances are falling apart, your body's falling apart, your your, your, your mental aspects are falling apart, what we are doing is stealing the glory that belongs to God. Some of you didn't catch that. What am I talking about? Because when people see the condition of our lives, they say, Oh, and you're a believer? Then we end up stealing glory by the condition of our lives from God. You're not trying to aspire to greatness just so you could brag. You're aspiring to greatness so that God gets glory out of your life. See, there, there's a difference between I want to be great, look at me, everyone see what I did, what I got, what I'm doing. And allowing the presence of God to rise up in you so individuals look at you. The Bible says he's chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. That people look at you and like, well, wait a minute, how, how did that guy get... How did you go from a plumber to a to a millionaire? How did this individual go from, from being incarcerated to, to accomplishing great things for God? Because people look at you and they're 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 looking. How did that happen? What happens is God gets glory because of your life. Are you following me? And so for all of sin, we God had a, a God created us for a purpose. Romans six twenty three says this: for the wages. Someone say wages. wages. What's wages? It's what you get paid, right? It's what you're owed. And I, it's a trip that God puts it this way. He doesn't say the consequences of sin is. He says the what? Wages. In other words, you're getting paid what you deserve. You earn this. For the wages of sin is what? So th- you can't, God, why, why is this happening to me? You owe, this is what you owe. This, you earn this. This is what this is with that after two weeks at your job, you go over to HR and you're ready to pick up your check or you're looking in your you're looking in your bank statement to see that. Did my did my uh, direct deposit go through? Why? Because you worked and I want to get paid. Right. So you're expecting that money to be there. God says, yeah, you worked, but you earned something else. There's a wage that you earned on this. You worked for this. It didn't just happen. For the wages of sin is death. It's what you owe. We all owe. We just established that we all have sinned. And now the wages, what we're paid for this, is death. But look, look what happens. I love when God steps in with a but. We'll figure that one out later. But the free gift, someone say free gift. Of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. See, I want you to recognize all our sins that we commit. Man, that bad thought, that, that bitterness, that gossip. Uh, the, you know, it could be anything from murder to incest to, to uh, you know, um, even what, what the, the most heinous thing that you could think of down to gossiping, lying, and cheating. Those of you that cheat at monopoly <laughs> all sins are moral and spiritual debts to God. Now I shared this before that a sin is measured by who it was done against if if I were to walk up to DJ. And D.J.'s a great guy, and he he probably beat me up, but if I were to walk up to D.J. and I were to, to punch him, he can get back up and punch me back, but when the cops come, you know, he could file charges against me, but there, there's probably not going to be a whole lot that's going to be done. I might go, they might take me in for a few minutes, and uh, by the time it's over, every, everything's going to be, you know, it's not going to be that, that major of an issue, But if I were to do the same thing, whether you like him or not, to President Trump, run over to him, punch him, and run away, what's going to happen to me? I'm I'm going to jail. I'm going to be prosecuted. Why? Does that mean that Trump's more important than DJ? It's the office. And because the office has a certain respect or standard, Certain sins that are committed against certain levels, you following me, have different, have different repercussions. When we sin, we're not doing it against man. We've done it against the law of the creator of the universe, the one that spoke life the one, that, the one that created everything we see, the one that formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and blew breath into him, the one that died on the cross rose again, that God, when we break his laws, we have not sinned against man, we haven't sinned against a president, we have sinned against God of all creation. If I'm going to get in trouble against a president or even a congressman or even a police officer, what do you think is going to happen to me when I break, or attack the body of God. What's the consequence for the wages of sin is? Yeah. Now you know why and what the standard is. So all debts are, all sin is moral and spiritual debts to God. And, and listen, folks, we as human beings, we could never pay these, these debts back. There's no way that we could pay. You, you, don't, you don't have a check large enough to write, okay, God, this is, here, this will take care of that thought I had yesterday. Here, this will take care of that when I flip that person off on the freeway. God, this will take care of the things I said to my wife. Here, God, this will take care of, you know, that woman I looked at at work yesterday. And so before you, you don't have enough money to wipe out. See, I need you to understand something. And this is where I'm going this morning. I want you to understand, we owe God. We have a debt that we owe God. And all accounts, my friend, are going to be settled. Every account before it's all done, we're going to have to settle those accounts with the Lord. The book of Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that what? we're going to stand before God someday at the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to all walk up there and there's going to be like a movie screen that's going to play back our life before everyone and we're going to have to give an account for good and bad of the things that we did and we're going to have to settle the account with God and as we stand there we're going to stand there God himself the God of all creation will be sitting on the throne and he's going to play it and we're going to stand there he's the judge and as it's going on yeah every, oh no don't show that there oh no no you know please don't show that in front of everyone god you oh no not that one too, guys you don't understand what was going on during that time there's going to be crap you're, you're it's going to be open can't hide it i object you can't because you know you're wrong it's i don't know about doesn't that sound a bit hopeless I want you to know there's hope. First John 1 9 says, but if we confess, come on, somebody. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive. Someone say forgive. forgive us, our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. All it takes is a confession. God made a way. What do I mean by that? Let me let me lay another foundation here for you. His son paid the price to free us, which means that our sins are forgiven. In Colossians 1.14, but I want you to know God isn't a crooked judge. He, he loves you. But, but as the judge of all, you, all the universe, he's sitting there on that day. He's going to be sitting there, and his sons are going to come before him. They're going to play those things before him. What would you say if we're we're sitting here and you were, someone stole something from you, robbed you, and you're taking them to court. You go to the court, Supreme Court here in San Jose, and you're standing there at at the, the criminal court in San Jose, and the judge comes up, and He's okay, what's the next case on the docket? They call your name and you come up and you see the person that pulled a gun on you or stole your wallet or or, or carjacked your car. And as soon as the defendant walks in, the judge says, oh, hey, how you doing, Bill? Bill, you're like, who who are you talking to? Oh, yeah, um, that's my my nephew. The judge says, that's my nephew. you're, You're a good kid, man. You maybe just had a bad day. Whatever, you know, we're just going to, hey, forget it. We're just going to wipe this out. You go ahead. Would you feel like you had justice served? What would you think about the judge? It's a crooked judge. God's not a crooked judge. The debt that you broke, that you owed, that you could not pay. God the Father said this. You're condemned for the debts you owe, but I'm going to step off from the judge's seat, and I'm going to pay the price for you. Uh, you got to, you got to catch this this morning. God's not a, he's not a crooked judge. He couldn't just wipe it out; that would make him crooked, and he couldn't change the standard because that's who he is. So what he did is he fulfill the standard on your behalf by sending Jesus Romans 10:9 says this if you confess with your mouth and believe uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved saved from what saved from judgment saved from death And so he said, if we just confess, that word confess means to uncover. It means to come into agreement with God. It's very simple this morning. What I'm sharing with you this morning is a very foundational truth of what Christianity is all about. In all other religions, you have people working hard to touch their God or to make themselves acceptable to their God. But only in Christianity does the God that we serve step down and work hard for the people that are trying to reach him. God's done it all. See, you need to understand today you're forgiven. I don't care what you've done. There, there's nothing you could do that is stronger than God's love and forgiveness for you. Oh no, you, you need to hear me. God isn't stronger than just your strength. God is stronger than your weakness. That even in my mess-ups, God loves me. Even in my failures, God loves me. Even when I blow it and I try to do the right thing and do the wrong thing, as Paul says, God still, his love, his mercy, his grace, his payment on the cross of Calvary took care of it all for me. He says this, he goes on. So I want you to know today that you're forgiven. Everyone say forgiven. How many know that's a great thing? In fact, I want you to do me a favor right now, right where you are, just, just bow your heads. Would you just say this with me? Father, forgive me for anything I've done. I, I don't want death. I want life. So forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my debts today. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. That, that confession, you're you're, You're free. Every one of you right now, you're free. Oh, come on. You're free. It's like, how many of you have ever paid off that car and then you get the pink slip? It's like, yeah. Drive by the bank. I owe you nothing no more. It's a freedom that you have. Or when you pay off a mortgage and you don't owe the bank, you're, you're, you're free. You have the pink slip. You no longer owe anyone anymore. That's a great feeling today. Come on, somebody. You're free. Okay, second part. Now that you're free, you guys are, I thought we were going home right now. Matthew six twelve. And forgive us our debts. Amen. What's the second part say? Oh, God, about that. First part of receiving forgiveness was great. Giving it, wait a minute. <laughs> Easy there. They owe me. They, they, they owe oh, me. They did something that I need. I, I need payback. I need, I, I, they have to pay. the. But forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. It's a decision. I don't do it because I feel like it. I, I, I'm, I make a choice to forgive. Forgiveness isn't even deserved. It's given. We don't deserve for, forgiveness. We don't, we don't deserve forgiveness from God, but God still gave it to us. I want you to recognize that it's a daily act, it's not a one-time event. That forgiveness is also a command. It's not a suggestion. That when God tells us to forgive, he commands us to forgive. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Now, now, this is gonna mess with some of your theology. How many know God loves you? How many know God's forgiven you? Look at verse 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will what? Somebody say amen. How many know you're forgiven? You ask God and he forgave you. There's that but again. If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. What am I saying? The father expects us to act like him. Foundational, our father. Which means, you know, when I see you walking up with your kids, your kids look like you. Even at their young ages, they, they look like you, they have mannerisms like you. You can't deny those kids. If you try, those are your kids. You can see it. I, I know your kids. You get mad that they're running all over the place, but I know that was you when you were that age as well. And so the reality is we are, the that's who we are. And, And the Father wants us, expects his children to act just like him. Ephesians 4.32, I'm giving you a lot of scriptures, but this is important. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. See, this isn't about... Deserve? Well, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Well, neither did did you. But God still forgave you. It's not about deserve. It's all about freedom. Say, look look at verse eighteen or chapter eighteen, verse twenty one of the book of Matthew. Jesus is having a conversation with Peter, and Peter trying to be. He had just got done giving this great confession: "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And he goes, "Upon this rock we will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail." And here comes Peter. Well, you know, let me tell you, God. How many times should we forgive? Seven times a day? He thought he was doing good. Jesus blows him away. In verse 22, he says this. Seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. But what Jesus isn't saying that when you get to, you know, 490, that you stop forgiving people. It's not what he's saying. He's just trying to illustrate that there's no end in our ability to forgive those that come against you. Because it's not about letting them go. It's about setting you free and you being forgiven as well. <laughs> we're, we're, worship team, if you would help me. Let me close with this story as the, as the ushers begin to pass out communion. Now, we, we were getting ready for communion and someone said, wait, wait a minute. It's uh, not the first Sunday of the month. But communion's foundational when we talk about forgiveness. It reminds you of what Jesus did for you. And so the ushers are going to come out, and we're doing communion a little different today. You're going to find that these ones are already pre-made, okay? So they don't, you know, they're, they're uh, you have to peel off the top layer, take the, the cracker, and uh, the cracker's like, it's, it's like styrofoam. I'm sorry, but we don't have real crackers for you today. Then you peel off the other area, and, and you'll drink. But as you get them, just hold on to them. I'll give you instructions on what to do. If you would just go ahead and pass as the ushers are going. But Jesus tells a story to Peter. And he gives, he gives this parable. That's a powerful parable that I want you to capture, okay? He says that there was a servant that owed $100,000. How many would say 100000 is a lot of money? The servant that owed $100,000 and the king wanted him to pay. And he couldn't come up with the money to pay, so he threw himself at the mercy of the king. And the king was going to throw, in those days, how you paid back. If you couldn't pay a debt, you didn't file bankruptcy. In those days, you, your wife, your kids, your family all went into slavery. And you would work that debt off. Now, you got to remember in those days, they didn't make a lot of money. So, this guy must have, how he ended up a hundred thousand in debt speaks volumes. And he throws himself at the mercy of the king, says, King, please forgive me. Please, please, you, you can't put my wife, my wife wasn't the one that built this debt. My children aren't responsible for the things that I've done. And so, he throws himself at the mercy of the king, and the king looks at this man with tears running down his face, said, please forgive me for for what I did. And the king does something unexpected. The king looks at the man and says, your debt is wiped out. It's forgiven. The man gets up off the floor. He's wiping his face, and he's just gone from slavery to freedom. But he walks out of that place, and he goes and finds another man that owed him 10 bucks. Grabbed him by the shirt and says, you owe me $10 and I want my $10 now. And likewise, the man responds to him, please, you know, you, you, you don't, it's not my wife's fault, my kid's fault, but it was my fault. You know, please forgive me. I'll find a way of paying you back. Please don't take it out on my whole family. The man didn't listen to the pleas of the man that owed him $10. And the Bible says that he had the man thrown into jail until he could pay back every dime he owed. The trip is is that the thank you, the servants of the king observed this. They had just watched this man go from about to be thrown into jail for a 100,000 to be forgiven. And when they saw him do what he did to the man that owed him ten dollars, they went and told the king. Can't believe what this guy did. You forgave him a hundred grand, and this guy went and found someone that owed him ten bucks and wouldn't pay him back. Do you realize the disparity of what we owed God in our sin and what others have done to us? That, that's that, that's that disparity. Jesus was saying, "What man owes me." And I've forgiven you. And yet you're holding grudges against someone that did a $10 debt against you. Now I'm not minimizing what someone hurt you. Whether it was an abuse, a molestation. I'm not minimizing that. But when you look at that, remember that the sin is based on who it was done against. Our sin against God is is deeper. The king rose up, found the man. told him you're a wicked servant he had the man thrown in jail his wife and his family in slavery because he refused to forgive the man that owned ten dollars his hundred thousand dollar debt was reinstated I want you to note something today if you can peel the first layer back on your cup Little cellophane layer and take your styrofoam wafer there. <laughs> the Bible says on the day that Jesus was betrayed, that he took bread and he broke it. He said, This is my body that was broken for you. He he's sitting with the disciples. This this blows me away. And as he's doing this, there's a man by the name of Judas sitting at the same table. The guy that's betraying him. And yet Jesus breaks the bread and he makes this covenant even with the guy that is about to have him crucified. Some of you are holding grudges against people. Thinking that you're showing them when in reality you're just hindering yourself. As we take the bread this morning I want you to do so with the recognition and the responsibility that not only am I forgiven for my wrongs but the responsibility to forgive others that owe me as well. Let today be the day of jubilee by wiping out not only the debt that you owe but anyone that owes you. Let's let them go right now. Take the bread. Father, we bless your name. We bless your name. Come on, Lord, we just thank you, God, for forgiving us. We thank you, God, for for forgiving us and restoring us this morning, God. Lord, I pray right now, my God, that I would learn to let go, to forgive. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to put up that last slide on, on how how do I forgive someone that's hurt me as you peel off the second foil layer that exposes the juice how do I walk in forgiveness number one confess the offense to God not just your offense but the offense that someone hurt you God, this person damaged me. Forgiveness doesn't mean that there was nothing owed. Forgiveness recognizes that there was a wrong that was done. I'm going to have you stand to your feet right now, and I want us right now, before we take the cup, recognizing the broken broken body of Christ forgave you. And so out of forgiveness being forgiven... That $100,000 debt you owed, has just got wiped out. And now someone owes you. Okay, they messed you up. They they messed you up. Okay, I understand that. I'm not going to call it a $10 debt. Let's call it a $10,000. Let's call it a $50,000 debt. They hurt you. The reality is we still owe God more. And God forgave us. And based on what Jesus did, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Jesus is saying, I wipe away the old covenant. I fulfill it. And I give you a new covenant that as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me until I come. Recognizing that I died, I give my life so that you can be forgiven. And so that you can also let other people be forgiven as well. Secondly, ask God to remove it. So right now, God, I just confess right now, Lord, you know what they did to me. You know the gossip, you know the slander, God, you know, Father God, the abuse, you know, Lord God, they did things to me that should have never been done. God, Lord, I'm, I'm acknowledging and I'm asking you now, number two, God, remove it. Remove the memory, remove the pain, remove the hurt. God, you didn't cause that situation to happen in my life, but you can redeem it you can't turn it around to take my pain and make it someone else's gain. So Lord, I pray now that as I forgive them, help me remember that I've been forgiven too. Take the cup right now in recognition that you've been forgiven. Bless your name, God. Come on, just lift your hands for a moment. Remember, forgiveness Forgiveness is the atmosphere of heaven. And if we don't forgive, sometimes forgiveness can even hold back healing in your life as well. You're here this morning and you need to be forgiven. Maybe there's some things in your life where you have to let someone go. Right where you are, heads bowed, eyes closed for a moment. You're here right now and you would say, Pastor Dan, there's some things I'm having a hard time even forgiving myself for. Lift your hand right where you are. Just, God, I need your forgiveness this morning. Yes, yes, yes. I see those hands. I see those hands. Amen. You can put your hands down. Secondly, you're here and you would say, Pastor Dan, I'm having a hard time forgiving some people. Some people that have hurt me. Some people that have damaged me. Right where you are, you recognize you need to let them go today. Lift your hand right where you are as well. Yes, yes. All over the place. Come on, let's all lift our hands right now. Let's create that atmosphere of forgiveness. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.